Welcome to The Gathering Place, a Blessed is She podcast. We're so glad you're here. Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Beth. Hey, Jenna. How are you? Amped right now. Wow. Jazzed. No pressure to the Mike Gizar. Hello. <laughs> Mike is just loving hearing himself in the microphone. Yeah, I didn't know it. my voice is this deep. Are you trying to do that? No. I feel like it kind of sounds like you're trying. I know, right? So now I'm trying to like pick it up, but then I still feel like it's pretty deep. Well, would you mind introducing yourself? Yes, I am Mike Gizar. I am the husband to Jenna Gizar, and I'm 38, live in Arizona, barber. Mike, I would love to hear about how you met the Lord. So I grew up Catholic. And I was in the military and we moved around a lot. You know, moving around and like going to church was like a thing like you have to do or you're going to get in trouble or you have to do it or like the Lord's going to discipline you and you're going to get in trouble and like lose these things. In high school, I went to the youth group, but mostly, you know, it was just to do something on a Sunday and not have to go home. I would say probably when I went to college, I stopped going to mass, stopped doing like anything related to the Lord. But it was weird because I'd always go to mass, but just like walk through it, go through the back door, walk through the front door like right away. Because I knew if I went to my mom's house and she was like, did you go to mass? I'm like, yeah, I went to mass. Technically, I went to mass. Like kind of living that type of lifestyle. Oh, sneaky. Yeah, very sneaky. So basically, I was in college kind of living the life that college people live. And I just remember it being just kind of so empty. There was one time I just woke up and I was like, there's got to be more to life than this. This is just so empty. Like I had money dating girls and I was partying and all this stuff, but it was just so empty. I remember I called my buddy, Peter. I remember the conversation. I was walking to check my clothes in the laundry, not... I haven't prayed in years at this time, not even going to mass really, anything. And I just felt like something so loud call Peter. And I haven't talked to Peter at least six months to a year at this point. And Peter was solid Catholic, always stay on the straight and narrow, always be like, hey, you should come to this, you should come to this. And at that time, I was like, nah, I'm good. So I called him. I was like, hey, man, I just felt like something was supposed to tell me to call you. I don't know if you're doing anything, you just want to hang out. And I remember his girlfriend, or his wife now, but his girlfriend back then, he was like, well, I'm going out with Brina. And then I heard Brina say, no, 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 just go meet him. I was like, all right, cool, let's meet here. We met at an Applebee's like down the street was like halfway. And I remember just walking in and I looked at him and I just started crying. Cause I kind of knew he was living the life that we're all called to and that what I was called to. It was just kind of like real to me, like, all right, what you're doing isn't right. I started hanging out with him and then trying to talk to him. He's like, you need to go to confession, you know, do this, you know. He's like, the Lord loves you. Just go to confession. Just keep trying. And every time you fall, just go. If you need something to distract you from like the alcohol and the drugs and stuff, just give me a call. Young adults usually do something. So, so I started going. Didn't really know much about praise and worship. All I knew is that the music they were playing was much better than when I was younger. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So I'm like, oh, these songs are actually pretty good. And all I listened to at the time was rap and hip hop. And then they would play these songs. I'm like, oh, this is actually a pretty good song. It's not cheesy. So he's like, hey, there's this retreat. You want to come? And I haven't been to retreat since like high school. So I'm like, yeah, I kind of know what retreats are. Whatever you lay hands, people pray over you. Whatever. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, I feel like I need to be doing these things to be holy. I need to stop going to the bars, start talking to girls that want to live for the Lord. And I need to do this retreat. I need to do the school of ministry. I need to do this. So I feel like I always do these things to not only be on the straight and narrow with God, but basically kind of be back in his favor. So I went to this retreat that I got prayed over in front of the exposed Eucharist. And I just had this image of the Lord taking everything away, all the sin and stuff like that. And honestly, like when I would go to confession, the priest was like, you need to forgive yourself. The Lord forgives you because you're coming to confession. But the hardest thing is that you don't forgive yourself. So you're always feeling guilty. But once you say confession, you're good. Probably get tempted again, but keep coming back. But know that you have to, to forgive yourself more than anything. That image that I had, all my sins, all the images and the memories that I was having, 
I was like on my knees in front of him and he had his hand on my head and it was just a vacuum sucking everything out. Right when that hit, I was getting, I don't even know how long. It felt like 10 minutes, but I guess it was like an hour and a half (laughs) where they were like, hey, we need to like move on to somebody else. I'm like, (laughs) all right, cool. You know, I don't really remember how this goes down, but I mean, every other word was the F word. And then I stopped cussing that day. So I got home Sunday night. I had two roommates. I moved out that Wednesday to an all men's house in Tempe with like eight other dudes that were just committed to serving the Lord, figuring out what their vocation is and stuff like that. And it was just kind of like all in. Since then, I mean, obviously you have conversions every day, but that was the one where I was like, all right, there's like way more to life than doing worldly things like chasing the money, chasing the properties, whatever, making everybody think that you're successful. Yeah, that's when it was just kind of like something way more than that. It's not like this thing that you're trying to accomplish. It's more of like a, a relationship that you need to kind of be aware of that already exists. It's just more that you have your eyes closed. So that was one of many. You know, and just try to be around a community of people that were just kind of trying to do the same thing. I mean, it's just more just being with the Lord and trying to figure it out and be with him. And yeah. No, I'm just so struck by that initial conversion for you and how you just went yeah. all in. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that pattern throughout your life, the mm-hmm. years of knowing you. This is just how you respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So true. You're moved. You're all in. It's yeah. like everything. You're willing to give everything up, do something totally different. Yeah. It's cool to see that that's how the Lord made you. You've always been like that. Yeah, I think also, I don't know if this sounds bad, but I feel like his voice is just so loud, you can't help but not move. Like the barber thing, that was loud and clear. Yeah, it was just kind of was moving from job to job, in management when I was in operations. The money was great, but it was just like, dude, I hated waking up and going to work every day. And it would fall over to like, I'd get excited around 4.30 because I would get off in a half hour and I was happy till about 7. And then I would get frustrated and angry because I have to go to bed and wake up the next morning and do mm-hmm. it all over again. And I just knew this is not where I was supposed to be. So I'm just praying about it. I was like, where was I the most happiest? And it was when I was in the band with Ike. And it wasn't because I was playing music, even though that was phenomenal. That's where I was supposed to be. When I was in the band, I knew this is it. This is my will for right now. And I'm in the place where God wants me. So no matter whatever happens, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. And I haven't felt that in a long time. So then I kind of prayed about it. I was like, Lord, I just kind of want to do ministry. I don't feel called to be in a church or like work for the church or anything like that. During this time, I coached high school football. I didn't have time to get a haircut or anything like that. There was a barbershop that was doing $5 haircuts. I was like, look, bro, I usually shave my head. My hair's been growing for three months. It's out of control. Do whatever you want. If I don't like it, don't worry about it. I'm just going to go shave my head if I don't like it. So just practice something that you want to try. You know what I mean? His name was Lawrence. And I remember it was just a conversation that we had for that entire hour and a half. We were just talking about like life. He wasn't very religious, but he's like, oh, yeah, I grew up Catholic, you know. So we talked a little bit about that. And then we finished. And then when I left, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. So at the time, I was getting my degree. I got my degree in August. And then November, I signed up for bar school. And I think the biggest thing is this kind of men are just kind of isolated. For a lot of married guys, it's work, home, kids, wife, go to bed. Same thing. No real community, anything like that. So I didn't get this idea when I started barber school, while I was in it, it was kind of just a place like, guys got to get the haircuts anyway. Come over to a place. The shop's clean, clean music. Gives an opportunity to have like father, son, things to do together where you don't have to worry about what are they talking about? You know, what's music's playing? What's on TV? Also just kind of give them the opportunity to come have a beer, get a haircut, talk for an hour. So other guys in the shop, they're trying to do the same thing. And if not, just trying to be good men. I feel like that's all guys need is probably like maybe one or two hours a month with other dudes. And we're kind of fine. It's more accountability, too. So that's kind of where the shop's headed right now. And that's kind of what got me into barbering. It was revealed to me throughout the process. Because there were times like, maybe I just jumped the gun on this barbering (laughs) thing. As I kept going, the Lord was just kind of like showing me things. Or like, there was a guy that came in and uh, he got divorced and 
he just found out he lost custody of his kids. So Oscar, one of the barbers, gave him a free haircut, and he just started bawling. He's like, that's the nicest thing anyone ever has done for me. You're just talking about something that's 23 bucks, you know what I mean, or 27 bucks, and I mean, that meant the world to this guy. I want the shop to be a place for guys to just come hang out. Go to a good, honest place and hang out where it's not a bar or other places like that. I honestly have so many things to say. First of all, it's so brilliant. It's so creative. It's so the Lord because the barbershop is utilitarian as well. Mm -hmm. It's not just going and like hanging out. You need a haircut. Yeah. But it hits all of these other boxes. Mm -hmm. You know, the way you describe the Lord is so loud. I just don't think most people would interpret that exact same experience in the way that you did. Yeah. Through the lens of radical faith trust like yeah okay i'll go do that i've heard many people share about their experience of like is there more to this but that's kind of it it's Mm -hmm. like passing then they like go to taco bell and it's fine they don't allow that to uproot their whole life so there is something unique about you and in you that you have this radical faith to follow Other people would have similar inspirations about being unhappy at work. Plenty of people live every single day unhappy at their jobs, but they're just trying to get to retirement or to Friday, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're they're not making that connection that I could do something else. The Lord did not make you to hate 80 hours or 40 hours or 60 hours a week of your life. You know, so I always feel like whatever's on your heart, it's either yes, no, or not yet. For me, when it's no, it's pretty, pretty apparent. And I think when it comes to hearing the Lord, I feel like the loudest I've ever heard him, and I ignored it, was when I was told, it's done. I'm done playing drums. And I was like, no, I'm not done. And it wasn't the Lord like punishing me, but it's like, okay. My will for you is to leave the band right now, but if you don't want to, I'll be here when everything starts crumbling, because that's usually what happens. Yeah. It's not even a time of prayer. It's always just like random. I'm like doing something else. And then it just stops, and it's just this idea. But I was literally just like dialing in my click. I was on tour. We were in San Diego. And then everything stopped. You're done. I was like, there's no way that I'm done. We're just starting to get busier. So I always chalked it up to, well, it's something against that I want. So it has to be not of the Lord. The loudest I heard him is when I didn't respond. I saw what happens when I try to take over and do things myself. Okay. So you had your conversion when in your mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Then you are talking about the band. Mm-hmm. So you joined a worship band. Yeah, I was actually going to be a cop. So I was like on level five or six in the interview thing. And then at the time I was playing drums with some retreats and I loved it. I just loved worship. Dude, this is like, do people get to do this for a living? Because I would totally like do this for a living if it was possible. I was at the men's house and then I literally, again, I just heard a voice say, move in with Ike. I'm like, okay. So I called Ike up. Didn't have a real relationship with Ike. We knew of each other. I was like, hey bro, you got a spot? I feel like I should need to move in with you guys. And I wasn't even in his band. So I was like in a completely different worship band at this time. And he's like, yeah, Doug's getting married in two weeks. So he's leaving next week. Okay, cool. So then the next week, move there. And then I played an event where he was there. That was the first time he ever heard me play drums. I walk in to the house one day and he's like, hey, let me talk to you. Ike does. And I'm like, okay. He's like, hey, I want you to be my drummer. And right there was like, peace hit. Yeah, I want to do it. So literally the next day, Temple Police Department calls me, hey, can we set up an interview for your, your last final thing? I was like, yeah, I'm just going to pass. Like, are you sure? Yeah, like usually when people pass, we don't allow them to try to get in. I'm like, no, I think I'm just going to pass. And that was it. It's crazy. crazy. Yeah, this is wild. You could do so many things well because of who you are. Totally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not about a particular gifting, even though I think you have many particular yeah. giftings. You're an anointed drummer. I've never experienced anything like it in worship, except when you're playing. You have a way like with men that you're mentoring and discipling men and like calling them on. I love that you said that. You didn't make it 
churchy or jargony about like discipleship or following the Lord. You're like, no, we just want them to be good men, around good men and be good men. I'm just a big fan. (laughs) Just a big Mike Kizar fan. Mm Mm-hmm. I've heard that before, where like you're really good at everything. I think it's just my confidence in the Lord. Like when he asked me to be a barber, I was like, I can't even draw a straight line. And you want me to take like a razor to somebody's head? Mm-hmm. But I just knew like where it was. Like when I was drumming, I was like, there's so many better drummers. Why did he pick me? Why did I pick me? Maybe he didn't hear me that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And that was literally the thing I like held on to. I think it's just because with certain things, I just know this is what the Lord wants me. Mm. People are like, do you guys even know how to run a barbershop? I'm like, there's only one way to find out. Because I know like, I was never supposed to work anywhere, really. I knew, like, you need to open the shop, and I want it to be like this. Yeah, you're shop. saying if you are docile to that calling that you hear, yeah. that no matter what comes your way, you can confidently say, oh, yeah. well, this is where the Lord wants yeah. me. And there's things that'll just hit you up when we're you know, opening the shop. You kind yeah. of question yourself, and you're yeah. like, no. Because this is what was told to me, and God is faithful, obviously. So no matter what, all these worldly things that I'm worried about, I just got to stay straight and stay focused. And that's why there's times where I'm just, I really don't want to hear what anybody else has to say, because it just gets in my head in a way sometimes when I know this is what the Lord wants. I've seen you be like that, even with Blessed Is She, if I'm like feeling frustrated about something, or maybe this is it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no. I mean, I just don't believe. Is that really the Lord? I'm like, no. No. You're like, then stop. Because if you think about it, it all comes back down to how good are you? And most likely you're being told that you're not good, but you are good. We can't do anything without Jesus. So Right. It's crazy to hear you talk about this confidence in the Lord. And for me to be reminded of all of the evidence of your life of mm-hmm. this like radical abandonment to God's providence. I think there's just so much to glean from your story. You just sharing how you hear God's voice and how you've suffered, how you've persevered. There are parts of your story that touch parts of mine. There are universal truths there about the Lord, and I'm grateful I know someone is going to be encouraged. And that someone is me. <laughs> well, that's very sweet, you guys. I just think there's something so incredible about being open to the idea of God radically changing your life. You just live in like a constant, like I don't know, Whatever he wants. I literally, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's wacky. I honestly think, like, because of what happened from when I heard I was supposed to leave the band to when I actually left, I'm like, I don't want to do that again. I was just wasn't at peace. Yeah, mm. I remember being at an event, and I was with Ross, and we were smoking. I was like, dude, I don't want to be here, man. Like, I want to go home. Mm. Like, I'm over this. I want to go home. Yeah. And I remember him just like, kind of looking at me because I was, I mean, every time we had an event, I was so excited. Yeah. But it's like, well, how do I do that, you know? There goes our income. What is I going to do? Always worrying about how this is going to affect everybody else instead of being like, you leave because the Lord is telling you to leave. So just kind of go. It was always like, I don't ever want to leave the band. Like, that was my whole instinct instead of being like, what's the next adventure? Yeah. You know, now it's like, like I'm like, all right, Lord, what's next? And he's just like, be happy where you're at. Yeah. I think it's security. You had this like call from the Lord uh-huh. to give it up, to walk away from the band. And then you're talking about what we all do. I'm going to let this person down. How am I going to provide for myself? Yeah. How am I going to provide for my family, yeah. right? We're trying to like arrange for this worldly security. Yeah. When really our security can only be found in the Lord. Yeah. The security we're looking for is only found in the Lord. Anything could happen. There's no bank account big enough. No savings account big yeah. enough. I think it's also, I was always worried that always worried what other people are thinking. What would they say? You know what I mean? Mike's mm-hmm. got this wife and two kids. 
and he quits his only income, what are they going to do? Nobody wants to live in our humanness. We don't want to live strictly. We don't want to live just like to the bare minimum. But the Lord has never done the bare minimum. The fish and loaves, there was leftover. He didn't give Matthew just enough fish to pay off his debt. He filled up two boats worth. Peter. What did I say? Matthew. Peter. Matthew is collecting the fish. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. I think the assumption is if I stop this, I'll be like at a loss. And you're saying if you listen to the Lord, you'll be at a gain. Yeah. You have to try not to control anything. I always never wanted to move towards a thing until I knew what it was and if I had a plan B. Now it's just like, if I just follow him, then I have nothing to worry about. Once I start trying to do what I want to do and I start thinking about plan Bs, it's obviously not from the Lord. Well, I think also the reason that you're able to trust the Lord is that you've seen him come through. Oh, yeah. Because you did it that one time. Yeah. But we have to like allow the Lord to show up that one time. And then we start racking up receipts. Yeah. Mm. I know it's scary though. Like I feel like where everybody's at in their life is because they listen to God. Oh, you're moving from this to this and it worked out. That's awesome. Well, it was definitely, it wasn't me. I was literally just doing what the Lord's telling me to do. Yeah. I mean, the way that, that you guys live has changed my life, really. I grew up in, I would say, a very normal family. But the messaging was like, find a career. Yeah. Stay in that job your whole life. Yeah. Save money. Have this certain number of kids so you can buy a house, so you can invest in the stock yeah. market. You take these certain steps to like secure a way of life. Mm-hmm. The longer I'm living in this crazy house, the more I'm like, whatever. <laughs> the Lord will take care of it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't mean irresponsibility. No, I mean, I'm probably, I'm more responsible now mm-hmm. living in that freedom that the Lord is going to take care of me. Because before I was chasing after this ideal mm. of like security and success and prosperity, mm-hmm. you know? And now I'm just like, I'm going to do what God has entrusted to me and then he'll take care of the rest. Yeah. Every time something happens where it's just like all that, like a setback, I automatically think, all right, Lord, what are, what are you teaching me in this thing? I could be a wackadoo. Edgy. That's literally how I think. Like a lot of things yeah. that happen, I always like, there's, there's always got it. The Lord's in it always because he's always teaching us like a father. Like I have to teach Nico how to do certain things. The basic stuff. Talk to me when you need help. Like the Lord's telling me I can need to talk to him. Not even when you need help, just in general. Like let's have a, like an actual relationship. Yeah, I think where people maybe get tripped up is that language of like, the Lord's always teaching me something. People have this really messed up view of that, that God's always teaching them a lesson. He's testing them. And that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about this like fatherly, like raising you up, right? Mm -hmm. Disciplining you, instructing you. Imagine like a father teaching his son what's under the hood of a car, like how to change a tire, how to go fishing. That's teaching. That's not a test. No, absolutely. That's relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's mostly kind of our humanness thinking that it's punishment. What, what is it then? If I lose my job, Lord, what's happening? Why did you do this? He obviously has something better for you. So why don't you just keep moving forward and just see what's going to happen? He's not going to abandon you, but just let him do it. You have to have that faith. If he showed you exactly what it's going to be like, where's the faith at when you know it's going to come true? Well, I think you do. You have the enemy in one ear, right? Yep. But I think on the other hand, people don't often have like a healthy view of the father. Mm-hmm. And so then they fill in the blanks, right? Either with their earthly father or they're trying to piece together and like translate their own experience, which has a lot of disappointment and pain in their story. The father's kind of distant or he's not good. He's not going to come through. It's up to me. Yeah. And then you've got the enemy suggesting all of these lies about mm-hmm. your own life, about yourself, your worth, and about who the father is. One, two punch. Yeah. Those times where I like sat in there and not asked for anything or said anything in prayer is when I heard the most. 
I got this verse when I was driving here to do this. It's just John chapter 14. Like, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always. The spirit of truth, which the world cannot accept, because it is neither sees nor, nor knows it. But you know it because it remains with you. So I basically feel like this is just a really big pregame speech from the Lord before everything went down. He's like, I love you. I'm with you. I'll always be with you. Trust the spirit and go. And that was like when we do like a break and like run out the tunnel. But the tunnel's life. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. You know what I'm saying? Like totally. that's what I, when, I, when I got that at adoration, I was like, dude, let's do this, dude. I think we all need to hear that. And it goes back to confidence. Totally. Confidence in your coach, in your teammates, in like going out there and killing it. Yeah. yeah. The game's already won. Go in the trenches. It's like where the real fight is. Going in the trenches is fun. Like pulling people out of the fire. It was kind of like, yeah, it's scary. But remember this. You may like get knocked down, but remember this. Don't start giving up. Don't just get into the way of the world. Like, don't do that stuff because you're worried about making God mad. Do it because you love him. You're doing this not because you're earning your way into heaven because you like brought 15 people to Christianity. You know what I mean? You're doing this because A, you're called to it, and B, I love him. So why, not, why, why wouldn't I want to do what he wants me to do? Dude, I just read the craziest quote from St. Joan of Arc. I can't believe I've never heard this before. She said, all battles are first won or lost in the mind. Yeah. I'm pumped up. Me too. Thanks, coach. Thanks, coach Mike. All right, guys. Shall we pray? Yes, please. Mike Kizar, would you mind leading us? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this day. Just thank you for all the blessings you've given us, Lord God. We just, we're just honored and just so grateful for the God that you are and the Father you are to us. We just ask for an increase of the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, increase of obedience, Lord, uh, an increase of uh, wisdom. And we just thank you so much for your love and your constant uh, desire to teach us. Lord, we just ask that anything in us and around us is not of you. We just... Uh, Rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ right now. We just ask that you just tear down the walls of our hearts and anything holding us back to radically live for you and listen to you, Lord God. We ask that you just continue to help us have a deeper relationship with you. Learn more about the Father and be more docile to the Holy Spirit. May you be at the forefront of all of our thoughts. May everything we do be uh, led by you, Father. Mother Mary, we offer up these prayers and all the prayers in our hearts as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed are the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. St. Joseph. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Wow. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Wow. Thanks, Beth. <laughs> While you're getting ready to go out there, team, I want you to be hydrated. We have a Blessed Is She water bottle on the website. Hydrate or dehydrate, am I right? Wow. Beth, do you like the white or black water bottle? I am team white. I really like both of them. Well, I mean, I love them both. But Whatever, I Beth, have... you already said your answer. Okay. Mike, which one do you like better, the white or black water bottle? I like the black one because it won't look as dirty. Well, some people take care of their things. Okay. So. Very true. <laughs> Blessedishy.net slash shop. Bye-bye. <laughs>